What is up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast. As always, it's your host, Charles, and today we've got a really exciting one for you. So I'm actually sitting down with Flocko, and if you don't know who Flocko is, I apologize. He has a lot of fun on Twitter, but he's also an excellent trader. He's one of the guys in that trading group PDF, and I know you guys love when I have them on. So he took a little break from Twitter, it was a couple months, uh, but he is now back on Twitter. So I wanted to have him on. We're going to talk about his trading strategy. We're going to talk about why he left Twitter. Uh, we're going to get his outlook on the crypto markets. And then we're also going to get into PDF and talk about that trading group a little bit more. But before we get into that, two quick things I want to take care of. The first is that this is another video interview. If you want to see Flocko as this interview is going on, uh, you can head over to YouTube. There's a link in the description below. It'll take you right to that video. Kind of watch along as we talk. And then the second thing is I do want to give a quick shout out to the sponsor, Crypto.com. They've got a bunch of cool stuff going on, so I just wanted to cover it briefly. For the next three months, they're waiving the 3.5% fee that you would be charged to buy crypto with your credit card. Um, I think it's been like two and a half weeks, so you've probably got two months, two and a half months or so um, to continue to take advantage of that. Also, that Visa MCO credit card that they have, uh, they're adding a couple more perks to it. You know, the big one is the 5% cash back you get on all purchases, but they've also added you can get up to 10% cash back on all grocery purchases and then up to 20% cash back on all food delivery. Uh, and this is also going on for the next two and a half months or so. Uh, while people are stuck at home, they're really just trying to help you guys out. Uh, and then last thing, I do want to touch on the, the uh, way to earn with your crypto because I just started using it. Um, if you're holding any crypto on an exchange, you know, any Bitcoin, Ethereum, XRP, Tezos, Chainlink, you know, really anything, uh, you can send it over to them. You can lock it away for uh, a one or three month period and they will pay you, uh, you know, a percentage of that just to hold it on the exchange. Uh, so I had some USDC sitting on an exchange waiting to buy, decided to send it over uh, and it's now earning interest for me. So if you have any of that crypto on an exchange again, I know it's not, you know, the smartest thing to be doing to hold your crypto on an exchange. Uh, but if you are, you can send it over and start earning interest on those coins. Uh, so again, there's a link in the description below. You can check out all of that stuff. Uh, and then the last thing is that fundraising platform, the syndicate is having another sale. You can get up to 25% or not up to, you will get 25% off. Uh, the purchase price of Ethereum if you're staking some MCO or holding some MCO. So you can head over there. I think the sale is on the 14th. This is getting dropped on the 13th. So tomorrow is the last day and that's when they're having their sale. So if you're looking to pick up some cheap Ethereum, head on over. You can read through how it works uh, and you can apply for it. Now, sorry that was a little long-winded. Let's get into the episode with Flocko. So, we are here with Flocko. I am honored that you came on. You've made your return to Twitter. You're still kind of keeping it low-key on Twitter, um, and I feel like the newer folks don't know who you are. So I kind of wanted to do this episode, 
you know, get your name out there for the new people. Um, can you just give us a little bit of background on yourself and like what your whole deal is before we really get into the episode? Sure. So I started trading uh, crypto probably around December 2017. Got in at the nice top. Started <laughs> uh, out with honestly the alt markets. I wasn't really a big Bitcoin guy. I started playing alts and had some success there with the alt seasons and everything that happened. And then then maybe two to three months that completely came crashing down. I learned pretty close, pretty quickly that uh, that money disappears very fast. So I'd learned a lot probably through the first six to nine months of trading in terms of just the market completely going down and um, just seeing people get washed out, wiped away. And it kind of like makes you become more vigilant of everything in your surroundings. So I was lucky that I got picked up by some really good traders too on Twitter because I was pretty much a nobody at the time. And um, guys like Cash and Keck and a few of those in that crew, Red, they all started talking to me and helping me out. And uh, I was able to grow from there. And I kind of made a name for myself a couple of years ago, pretty much going after the big guys and the scammers. And that was more so where my calling was, was just attacking and going after the people that were pieces of shit in this environment. So that was how I did it. And then it turned more into just fucking around and having fun with the boys. Yeah. I feel like that's what a lot of people use Twitter for nowadays is just to fuck around, have a good time. Uh, you talked about people getting washed out. We, we thought you were getting washed out for a second. We weren't getting updates. No one was getting updates on you. You had left Twitter. Uh, so we were starting to worry, but glad you're back. Um, as for you got in in December of 2017, were you trading any other markets before that or was this your first market? That was the first market I had ever traded. I was a finance major. So I had a little bit of experience with derivatives and just like a basic background into what I was doing. But relatively speaking, I was clueless. There we go. Yeah, same finance background here. And they kind of teach you the underlying theory of some stuff, but at least for me, you know, no application. And so there's a huge learning curve getting out of college and actually learning how to trade versus learning, you know, like the Black Shoals model and shit like that. Um, so yeah, forgot to mention in that intro, you are one of the PDF guys. Love having you guys on. Um, you know, each one of you guys has your own kind of trading strategy. Uh, I've learned a lot from the guys who have come on before you. Uh, do you think we could just go into your trading strategy a little bit? I know a lot of people are kind of cautious about talking about it, especially the PDF guys and Keck, you know, kind of with his iron fist. But can we go into some of it at least? Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely not trying to get myself uh, in the doghouse. <laughs> what's it called? Most of it revolves for me around order flow. I haven't traded in a bit, so this is a little bit outdated, but majority of my strategy used to be based around order flow and finding uh, like levels of liquidity where you would basically assume that price is either going to revert for you or you can get yourself in and you have a higher confidence interval of where other people or bigger players are making their orders. There we go. So yeah, I actually had Sting on at one point and uh, it was just the conversation was over my head. Um, you know, we, we went into it pretty heavily. But uh, we don't need to get into it too much. Um, you know, my my thought on this whole thing is, okay, you left Twitter, right? And uh, we talked briefly when you got back and you said you hadn't been trading as much. And you're now saying that some of this order flow stuff's a bit outdated. 
So what have you been doing in your time off? Have you moved on to something else? Are you still, are you thinking about getting back into trading? What happened? I've always been someone that just jumps from kind of thing to thing. So trading was something I stuck with for a while and um, I enjoyed it. I still do enjoy it. And like, even when I wasn't trading, I was still looking at markets. So it wasn't like I was just blindly um, like off the cuff or just all literally off the grid. I think with Twitter, I just I have such a problem with the people that are on it, especially in the higher like hierarchy of crypto Twitter. So it's more so that it comes down to like just just the negligent things they post and just the bullshit and like how it is and how it goes. Like I just got sick of it. I think after like a certain period, it actually does become so toxic that you you know it doesn't affect your life per se, but it just like it just brings your mood into almost a negative. It gives you a negative energy you really don't need around so i think i just got sick of doing all that i had pretty much gotten banned after building that account up to close to like eight thousand followers so i was sick of that that I, I had that account hit banned and then um it just like it it just grew tired for me i mean i just was i was out of content and it just i don't know it wasn't for me at the time so i was like you know i'm gonna take a break i wasn't working out anymore I wasn't really taking care of myself. So I kind of took off and said, you know what, like it's time to start improving, cleaning up like my diet, going back to the gym. Um, in my free time, that's pretty much what I did. I spent the entire time uh, just working out, trying to eat right, get myself healthy. Um, got a job as a personal trainer. And I also have a side hustle that revolves around sports that does pretty well for me. Can we get into that side hustle at all? Because this is the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast. We love talking about that kind of shit. Yeah, uh, I don't want to talk too much about it, but pretty much it revolves around taking bets. And um, <laughs> it just, what's it called? It's, it was something that I built for years and it really took off this year. Um, got more stable footing under myself, took a bigger bigger role in risk management of it. And um, my partner is, is like, I'm great with communication and keeping everything in line so i was able to streamline that and it runs just as similarly to a business um we just take care of each other make sure everything is on point we're week to week staying on top of it so it's literally like running just a simple business just keeping track of your numbers uh a lot of loyalty trust a lot of blind trust in it so kind of get used to that um it's, it's a decent thing to I guess doing your free time. It's not something I would really want to make my career around or live off of, but uh, it's definitely very profitable on the side. <laughs> there we go. You sound like a bookie. Just a little bit. <laughs> Just looks down. Yeah, maybe a little bit. But um, okay, so I kind of want to get into that whole, you know, Twitter being toxic thing a bit more um, because I feel like it really does seep into your subconscious and you might not notice it too much while you're on Twitter having a good time having a laugh uh, but it really does start to affect you as a person uh, was it having any kind of effect on your trading or did you decide to stop trading and then it you noticed that it was kind of taking effect on your mental um, I stopped trading probably around May of this past year so I was still on Twitter for about two to three months where I was like relatively speaking not trading that much I was I was here and there I had a couple coins like shower had given me things like that but uh I had pretty much moved on from trading on the run-up to 10k or 11k wherever we had 14k wherever we ended up there I had sold off most of it um throughout the month of May 
And then I just never bought in. I don't, I never really found the opportunity to get back in there. And I mean, as anyone who knows me for a long time, I've always been bearish on Bitcoin and that's where, that's where my calling is. But I, I have been looking the last probably about a month at getting back into the market. So I've been sitting there with kind of funds ready to go, just waiting. But uh, I just haven't found a price point I like yet, you know. Three three point eight wasn't good enough. <laughs> I was actually trying to load up then, but it actually moved so fast that it just I didn't have a chance. So yeah, right. I, I had a couple of chances to buy OTC in the low fours, or I mean the high fours, low fives. But um, Still yeah, I mean I'm right. probably, you know how it is, but I'm definitely going to get back into it. I've been trigger happy the last couple of days especially <laughs> just looking at it kind of itching still waiting for my price point around like 3k i don't i don't know how it's going to be i have to i hate making long-term projections because people are going to look at locals and then like if i like you post this and a day or two later the price goes up like a thousand dollars everyone's like damn that kid's like an idiot yeah yeah, then, yeah you look like two months down the road and the price hits where i want like that's all that matters to me. Yeah. So I hate making long drawn out kind of swing trade projections, but I am looking three to four K to start loading up. And then anything below for sure will be. You start selling like, shit to, to go in deep. Yeah. Uh, It'll definitely become more risk on asset for me. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Think it's the I still will never believe it's the future of world currency because there's a couple things. I mean, the, you need credit markets no matter what. So like, you can have a lot of things that, to like balance it, but you're gonna have to have other things that go within it. So yeah, like it could definitely go up in value. And I, I'm a believer in it for a lot of other reasons, but I think in terms of countries that have restrictions on uh, your income or your taxation wise and things like that, there's definitely a strong value in that Monero and other privacy coins. But um, I don't know if I believe in the whole, this is gonna be the next global currency and I don't know. It's not. The, I don't. It's the future of digital money, but I don't know if it's the future of federal and, and global money. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same fence. Again, like you were saying, you don't like to make these long-term price predictions. I don't like to make long-term predictions like that because I am, you know, out of my element, and I feel like people talk in absolutes, but it's, you know, they're kind of talking out of their ass a little bit uh, in saying that it's going to be the world reserve currency when they have no idea what's going to happen. Um. So before you left or, you know, in the process of you leaving, uh, we talked about this in the DMs. You said that 5K was your target to start thinking about getting back in previously. Uh, when you were leaving, you're like, I'll cruise back on to Twitter and I'll kind of start thinking about things again at 5K. Um, where did that number come from? Like, how, how are you getting that 5K figure uh, when you originally left? Most of that just comes from a long-term price action. So if you go out to a weekly or even monthly chart, you can just kind of like figure out the boxes and the areas that really, you, you know, you're going to get a reaction from them. Like you look at yearly opens and things like that, you know, you're going to get reactions off of those levels um, in certain directions. So if you're looking to buy into that level at 5k and it goes right through it, then you can kind of make a prediction that, okay, like momentum was strong enough to go through it. Like I always look back at that 6K level. That was the, the level for a year plus and everyone and their mom would just buy it, buy it, buy it. And then finally we just went right through it. But 
you would think then on the way back, it would have been impossible to go back up and through it. And then it went through it like on the third or fourth try. And it was just like, damn, like that was something that was support for, like for monthlies for multiple periods. And then it went through it like nothing on the, on the upper end. So I think the thing with Bitcoin is if you can buy it low, the lower you can get the better because it always runs way better than it does drops. So, I mean, my opinion on that's changed. I used to think that there was even money in making both ways short and long, but for most people, it's definitely more profitable to be on the long side because if you don't know how to properly read the price action and read pretty much what's going on in the market, you're going to get chopped up if you're consistently just trying to short Bitcoin, even in bear markets, the way it runs is just, it's way stronger. I mean, you can, you can kind of prepare yourself for stop runs in long positions, but when you're short, I don't know. It always feels like you got your finger, like you're behind <laughs> someone with your own tip. That's yeah. like someone's tossing you that grenade. Every time you go short, it's like someone's just pulling the plug and tossing you the grenade. And you're like, all right, like either I'm going to get out of the way or it's going to go my way. But I don't yeah. know. When I took long positions, it never felt that same, not fear, just like that same instinct of like, damn, I could get blown the fuck out like any second here. And I think that kind of goes back to the whole idea that most people in this industry are long-term bullish on Bitcoin. And so when you're short, you're like, fuck, this is going to go back up eventually. Like, I don't think many people in this industry think Bitcoin is going to zero. So when you're short, you're kind of just in the back of your mind. You're thinking, fuck, this is eventually going to start going back up. Um, yeah, it's, I believe that too, that there's like there's very little chance I ever see it going back into the even the 1K, 2K range. I mean, if it goes down to 2K, I'll definitely be loading up and just, if it turns into a year or two long hold, I'm fine with that because I know that that'll definitely recoup its value. I think right now, if you're going to get high twos, low threes, you're going to get good value. I think you probably won't go beyond 3K if you do go down. Like there's so much liquidity down there and untapped orders that have been sitting there for probably literally years. Yeah. People in spot that would just, I don't think there's any way that you could really sustain enough selling pressure without like a mass capitulation of that really yeah so then shit really hits the at fan. this point it's really hard for me to sit there and say like all right like it's worthless i don't think it's intrinsic value is really that high i mean it's still not that fast you still can't use it the majority of places and then you turn around you look at something like apple pay apple pay has been on the market for a couple months and it's already incorporated into places you can literally go up there with your phone put it right up it's done like not a big digital money guy. I'm a huge, I'm a huge old school cash and, and that kind of guy. But in terms of digital, I mean, you look at what Apple Pay's done, and they've done everything Bitcoin's wished it done for the last four or five years. So, I mean, exactly. Look at where the improvements are coming, and it's like, why can't you do that? And there's issues that just can't be fixed, scalability wise, and things like that. So, yeah, and I think that plays into the whole decentralized versus centralized. It's a lot easier to make it happen when it's you know Apple doing it. Uh, versus a decentralized option but you know i don't think most people a majority of people care about the decentralized movement they're totally okay with you know it being apple pay uh, and kind of having letting apple have their data and the for the convenience i should say um so i don't know that, that that's a whole topic of conversation we can get into there's a lot of arguments on both sides I don't feel like it's super necessary. This was more of a let's get to know your kind of trading, your ideas on the market, uh, how you've been since, and um, 
you know, I like I like your idea that, you know, 3K low twos or high twos is, you know, a good buying price. You know, we had that low of three something three. I can't even remember from uh, early 20. What was that? Early 2019, late 2018. Yeah. Late 2018. Yeah. There we go. Like right December into January, right at the beginning of the year. We hit 3Ks then, we hit 3Ks again and bounced pretty hard. You know, I, I see a lot of orders there. Um, so it sounds like you're you're starting to turn around. You're a bit more bullish now. You're just waiting for those orders to get hit and start buying. That's pretty much it. I mean, if it comes down to it, I'll buy myself in. Um, I'm just, I'm not going to be the guy that, like, like even you look at yesterday, um, so many people were long at like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, and you see the run up to seven one, and everybody's like hugging and celebrating on Twitter, and it's like, it's like you would have thought they won the Olympics or something like that, and then within an hour it's back at six seven, <laughs> and as when I looked signed on here it was like in the low six sixes. So I mean, you look at that and it's like everyone's so quick to like be happy and like joyful over small moves, and then like antagonizing other people, and then an hour later it's right back. Like it's that, that's what's so frustrating I think for people who trade i don't know how you do it anymore because you're com constantly competing with just idiots like you look at a crypto gains post and 80 like percent of the comments that don't come from people like we know are just fools like they're like where's the where's the take profit where's your entry like why'd you lose like it's like you can do nothing right no matter how smart you are how advanced you are so like i give credit to the people that still do accurately put up trades and like want to actually help people Cause I, like, I couldn't do it. I would lose my mind within two to three months of having to deal with people constantly asking me like, why'd you lose a trade? Why was it like this? Like, it's just, that's what I think takes more of a mental toll on people is you start becoming a Twitter trader and you start letting someone in your comments or you start letting the general public sway you into different positions, different mindsets and different mentalities. And then you lose your edge and you start competing more so to be right against people that you don't give a shit about or don't like, like I always said, they're not putting food on your table. Like you can beat the hell out of everyone, but if you're not making money and you're not profiting yourself, it's fucking worthless. Like you can do whatever you want in life, but if you're not putting food on your table and putting money in your bank, like you're not doing it right. It doesn't. So like, people just want this clout online and they want to be right and they want this and they want that. But at the end of the day, what does it fucking matter? Like you, you can't cash out your Twitter likes. That's what it comes down to. I mean, you can, and this gets into the whole starting a paid group bullshit um that's know. the problem too. that's yeah. the other issue is that then these people that have just pretty much scammed their way through the system take people's money but it, it's like you can do it but these cockroaches just they, just, they don't fucking die like <laughs> they just pop up with another account i mean you don't even know who's who anymore like you really don't like you think you do but at the end of the day you could be taking advice from some fucking schmuck in indonesia who literally has no idea what he's looking at and i mean you go to instagram it's the same fucking thing but it's kind of degrading that people on Twitter almost like take pride in being that way. And I think the market being as like stable and not as crazy, not as pushing like all time highs has kind of washed away a lot of the people like David Gokenstein or whatever. Um, you look at like, even Shill Nye, he's completely out of the market now, like for the most part. It's things like that, that when you start really getting into now people who actually trade and know how to trade and want to get better at trading, you start to wash away the paid group scum, but you still, you're always going to have them. So yeah. you can do what you want, but it's, it's just a natural thing that 
someone somewhere is going to always be doing it. Yeah, there, like there's going to be people starting paid groups and running paid groups who don't know what they're talking about. It's just kind of a fact of life, I would say. Um, but I want to get back you, in. Through Vegas, or sorry, you look at gambling Twitter. And I mean, that was where I started was gambling was one of the first things I was into. And that's what drew me into trading was that like shit coins are almost like you can go fucking bet on darts match in Russia. And you're potentially <laughs> putting your money on the same bet that you are on all coins. In fact, I would give you a better odds if you're betting minus 110 that you got a better shot at winning those dart matches more often than you're trading shit coins. <laughs> that's just simply how I would put it for those people. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. You look at guys like Vegas Dave, who've got 60,000, 70,000 followers on Twitter. They got almost a million on, on fucking Instagram. And this dude, like, is well documented as a scammer, a liar, a loser, like anything you can call him in the book. I mean, he's been featured on Showtime as a straight up scammer. And people are still paying him $500 daily for picks. I mean, it's like, it's no matter how well you expose them or how well you show how fake it is. There's always going to be some schmuck that's just like, you know what, like this guy's legit. Let me like, let me mess with him or let me, let me go into business with him. So it's all, it's almost on people to do their own due diligence. We've grown up, I guess, to be so naive and people are just way too trusting of people and, and things they shouldn't be. So until you can fix things like that, like it's, it's almost a moot point trying to help other people if they can't help themselves. You just yeah. guide them in the right direction, but you can't hold their hand life. So it's crazy. You start waving money in front of people and kind of their emotions get the better of them and all common sense kind of goes out the window. Uh, They're willing to throw money at these paid groups because the thought of making more Bitcoin very easily is in front of them. Um, No one really wants to work for it anymore. No one wants to learn. I don't know if you saw that that post that uh, Nayu put up this morning. I think that's how you pronounce it. but he was talking about how a couple of his in real life friends said that uh, he offered to help them, you know, learn to trade. They knew he was on the max leaderboard and they said no. And they went and bought, you know, some paid course from somebody else. And it just hurt me to see, man, like that. He He's one of the best traders in the industry and other people are going and buying courses uh, from somebody else. Shocking, you know. That's just like, yeah. It's a shame. But it's like, again, for him, I mean, it sucks, but at the same time, does it affect the amount of food he's going to put on his table? I mean, it's, that's the thing is, I mean, I have friends that that's also what drove me back into Bitcoin. I actually have friends that are pretty decent with trading enough that like, they're not going to text me all the time when it's flying up. Like there's a couple of my buddies that the more it goes down, the more they text me, should I buy, should I buy? And I usually just tell them, you know, like, I think this is a good level. But I try not to give them enough that I'm liable for their call. So I just, I always tell them, like, if your decision is your call, if you think you want this or you think you want to do this, you do it. But I always just try to push them in the right direction. Like, why would you do this? Like, what makes you think that? So, I mean, like, Tesla has been one of the favorites of my friends that they've been messaging me. Uh, Should I get into Tesla? Should I do Tesla? And it's like, okay, go ahead. But. I don't know anything about it and why would I get into it at the prices it's at? I mean, they were investing in it as it was shooting up. So, I mean, sometimes you get lucky, you make a couple bucks and you sell and you don't go back in, but a lot of them buy, 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 and then eventually you're bag holding. So the thing too, with it is like, you can win. I always say you can win six or seven trades and you can lose it all back on the next one. 
and vice versa. You can lose six or seven trades and win it all back on the next one. So it's all just about like keeping yourself in check, not taking too many big losses and just keeping yourself. It's always better to lose small and win big, obviously. But um, there needs to be certain times where like people in life just need to evaluate their risk management, learn to cut their losses with things. There we go. Um, you know, I, I always like to ask this question and we're kind of getting towards it now uh, because you're talking about, you know, slowly getting back into the market. Your friends are messaging you about potentially buying Bitcoin um, and it's good to have you back. Uh, I always like to ask the question, you know, what do you have going on for the next 12 months? Is there anything big in your pipeline? Uh, you said you're looking for 3K to buy. Uh, if that doesn't happen, are you done with crypto markets or will you find another entry, you think? I'll just find an entry. Uh, pretty much anything below 5K is is worth it. I mean, if you start getting five, four, three, like in that area, you're, you're talking, it's a good enough value that, if you have to hold on to it, you hold on to it. I mean, I can always find a use for it. And just never going in with enough, never go in too much that, of course, it alters your sleep or your life. I mean, I made that mistake where I, last year, especially I was trading a lot where I kept me up at night. I didn't sleep well. I was always constantly up checking prices. I would sleep with trades open and things like that. And I'm not around an algorithm. So for me, like I'm, I'm not sleeping comfortably at all. Um, you know, I'm managing the position myself. Yeah. Like, so things like that, like constantly, like my sleep pattern was just miserable. It'd be like three hours, like sleeping from like four to seven a.m., then waking up for like New York Open, like eight nine a.m., um, watching that for like two hours, going back to sleep for another three hours. Like it was just taking its toll on me. So I, I just decided I was like, I need a break from this. Um, it really happened when I went up to consensus with Cuban and Quant and all of them. Oh God! Kind of, I heard that was kind of, a wild time. <laughs> it kind of knocked me out of trading when I was up there. And then I just decided like, fuck it. Like this is what I should be doing. And I decided to kind of more so enjoy my summer and spend it more socially and things like that. So yeah, that was quite the time with them up there. So uh, I want to do uh, I had some, I posted on Twitter. I have a Q and a that I want to do at the end of it. One of them has to do with consensus. Another one has to do with red and stuff like that. But um, before we get into all of that, um, I'm curious because, you know, with what's going on right now with this pandemic, you said you are a personal trainer and gyms are all closed down. So what have you been doing with your free time and has the thought of going back to trading full time kind of, have you entertained that thought at all? Full time? Definitely not. I okay. think at this point, um, I'm, I'm going to be way too diversified to strictly stick to trading and i'm also just too uh extroverted to kind of be stuck in in the house that was another problem was the last time i was trading was i didn't get out enough i didn't spend enough time taking care of myself socially and physically so getting back into the habits that i was doing for years and getting myself back into that form was like almost completely brought me back into the mental state that i wanted to be at needed to be at and kind of brought almost my competitiveness back so that's one of the things why it would motivate me to train because when I'm training, I'm competing against myself and when I'm trading, I'm competing against myself, but I'm also like competing against others in the same sense that I love knowing that the trading is such a zero sum game that it's you versus like everyone else. So you're either winning or you're losing. That's, I can't really do anything in life without that. So in the next couple of months, I'm looking to buy a house for myself. Um, 
trying to get a business, not sure where or what yet, but hopefully down the line it involves a couple gyms. Um, I don't know. I've been, been just looking for opportunities. And I think with the way the economy is right now, there's everything's just kind of resetting. Um, there's no idea what we're going to come back to realistically. I mean, we could come back and it really could recover. I, I don't want to say it's impossible because the markets can remain irrational way longer than most people can remain solvent. But at the same time, I think eventually you're going to come back and all the consequences of years of terrible, terrible monetary policies and, and all the shit that this country has gotten itself into. There's just no way that I see us coming back and being okay. I mean, between the unemployment, the way people are in terms of their savings, the 401ks, I mean, everything's just gotten smoked. So realistically, if you weren't <laughs> insulated with a lot of cash or protective measures for the, like something of this nature, you're kind of sitting in a screwed position right now. So that's why I'm also not terribly bullish on anything right now. So it's not so much that even Bitcoin is something I'm rooting to go down. I just can't see an argument to be made on why money is going to be leaving the system and it's going to then flow to Bitcoin. I just don't see the catalyst or what it will be that does it. But for, there's always going to be people that trade it and there's always going to be institutional and high level guys that are going to keep the price stabilized enough that even though like there's competitiveness among market makers, it'll not go to zero at any point. So that's where my basis of why Bitcoin could be one of the better store values long term than, say, stocks in some cases. So I think probably if you build up on blue chip stocks, some Bitcoin, um, looking into real estate, definitely real estate business. Um, the thing is, small businesses are going to go under and I, I don't know how that's going to end up coming out. If corporate like corporates are just going to swallow them whole or you kind of get a new blood of people who just take over these businesses and investing or I, it's the thing is there's so many unknowns and there's so much still to figure out. I mean, a long term, I just six months from now, you could probably ask me and I might have an entirely different view of where we are. So it's tough, but I would definitely lean towards the side of way more on caution and staying risk off, um, sticking to cash and just taking care of yourself, um, making sure you have enough money <clears throat> to pay your rent, to eat at night, all that. I mean, if you're not taking care of yourself, you should not be taking trades in Bitcoin and things. You should not be putting your mental toughness through that, I guess, would be the way to describe it. You're just bound to blow yourself out or make risky decisions. There's just no benefit that you can have to trading wild assets like Bitcoin if you're hurting money. <laughs> not there mentally or physically. It sounded like you were kind of struggling with that a bit and you got you know, that break that you needed, you sound, you know, good now, you sound ready to kind of take advantage of this kind of market downturn. If we get one, it sounds like you have a very clear vision of what you want to do. Uh, and also I appreciate you kind of talking about those guys who are maybe living paycheck to paycheck, you know, just trying to take care of the bills, make sure you can eat. Uh, you know, I know people who are spending their entire paycheck on Bitcoin right now. And I just think that is ludicrous, you know, and I could be wrong. And like, you know, it could go to a hundred K and these guys could be seen as geniuses, but I think that's too big a risk to take, especially with where kind of the financial world is at right now. Um, oh, so, you know, 
I think a lot of people right now are kind of in the position that you were in when you took a break from Twitter. They're ignoring their health. They're ignoring their you know physical and mental health. They are spending more time on Twitter, letting Twitter drive them insane. Uh, more and more people, it seems like, aren't trading. They're just trading, f- trading quote in quotes for clout on Twitter, um, and it's kind of having a major effect on them. Do you have any tips for them? Because you took a break, you're back, you're you're fresh now. Uh, do you have any tips for them on how they can kind of get their life fixed? I would say. I think the best thing you can do is, if you're having trouble, is to take time off first, and not even time off in the sense of I have to, I have to completely black myself out cold Turkey from markets. I think the best thing to do is take a step back and just start reading and applying yourself to where first off, figuring out where you're going wrong. You can't improve yourself in even the slightest bit. If you can't understand where I'm going wrong, that means you're not making enough money. That means you need to stop trading. And that's, that's as simple as it gets. I mean, if you're working with small funds and you keep blowing yourself out and you keep putting more and more in, you're clearly not learning from your mistakes. So the first thing you got to do is identify where you're going wrong. hundred percent. You can't start until you do that. And then for me, one of the best turning points, I think, and it sounds like people are going to hate it, but the best thing you can do is really read. And I'm not even kidding. It's an old school book, reminiscence of a stock operator. It's written in old English from the 1920s. And it just goes into the psychology of what everyone does and everyone can relate to it. I don't think I've met a single person who has traded for a decent period of time, like six plus months that can't relate to at least multiple pieces of that story. And it really prepares everyone for what the psychology and the life of a trader is. So if you're going to want to really get yourself into this life and you want to trade for a living or you want to be competitive to the point that this is like something you can do for serious money, serious income, that book is one of the greatest starting pieces for anything. I mean, you can get all the basic psychology down of gambling, life. I mean, everything in there can apply to who you are as a person. So even if you don't learn anything that you want to trade with, you can learn a bunch of shit that you can just apply to other aspects of your own life. And it's it's got its ups and downs, but it shows like the peaks and valleys of, of trading are miserable. So it's always about not making sure you get too high when you win and not being too low when you lose. So that comes into the whole financial aspect because if you're not trading with skin in the game, you can't have that same psychological impact. If I'm trading with a demo account, I blow it out. Okay. I go downstairs and I go do whatever I want. I go smoke a blunt. My life's the same. It doesn't matter. If I lose a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars, then I'm going to be a little upset. Yeah. <laughs> so that cost me maybe a couple, couple weeks of rent, things like that. So, I mean, you look at that and it's like, you, you want to differentiate Gambling from trading is really what it comes down to. And a lot of people are just gamblers. And that's where I would say, if you want to just gamble, just go gamble on sports or go gamble at a casino, go do it because your odds are better than they are at trading. Trading, I would say, is probably one of, if not the hardest things in the world to do. And to do it long-term at a consistent basis is ridiculously impressive. Like the people who are good traders and have done it for years cleanly without just relying on insider info and things like that, they are ridiculously smart. I mean, those are the people that you should flock to and absorb everything you can from them. Like the people that are in PDF, I'm blessed because they are always smarter than me. They all have way more background than me in most of these markets. They have way more knowledge to share and, and to cooperate together with to piece 
into almost putting all of like a puzzle together and it gives you such a different insight so that even if say Cuban posts that he's short and then Keck says, well, I have this theory on wall. It doesn't mean you have to follow one of the two. You can be neutral or you can follow one of the two, but you at least get to see both sides. You get to see different perspectives. And I think most people need to take a step back and look at things like that. Instead of making narratives for why price is doing what it is, look into it and say like, okay, like I hit a supply zone. That's why the price reversed on me. These people are all like, oh, like I got stopped out. Like the, like the people are running my stops. It's because your orders are in the wrong fucking place. Like you're just, you're just throwing a dart in the middle of the range and praying that you're on the right side of it. So it's like, if you're going to trade like that, then yeah, you're going to get fucking blown out consistently. But there's only so much you can do to, to improve without putting your own money into it. Because the psychological difference of demo trading and truly trading are so different that you really can't get that same feel without the skin in the game. I, I appreciate that book mention. Uh, we'll have a link to that in the description so you can go check it out. You have no excuse not to read it. You're quarantined right now. You're not leaving the house. You know, everyone, I suggest going and reading that. Uh, and then I'm glad you brought up this idea or of finding a trading group that kind of works for you and that you can learn from yours happens to be PDF. Don't know how you're still in there because you took a break. There are people who would chop off their left arm to get into that group. And you're, you're saying, no, nah, I'm just gonna, you, you know, work on myself, do some personal training and uh, you still got a spot in the group. So congratulations. It started, it started as me and Keck, um, the first year I was trading. So he was already Keck, honestly, was probably my biggest mentor in terms of taking me literally in. And it started as kind of like him fucking around with me. So we would be on Twitter and he would just DM me these absurd things. That like <laughs> the time it was, so I was doing price action and he was sending me like order flow programs that the, they didn't have lines on it. It was just bubbles of where orders were and things like that. And I would literally look at it and I'd be like, bro, are you fucking like trolling me? Or like, what is this? <laughs> is like, this alpha or are you just fucking you around? Tell me anything. And he was, this is an old alpha. I mean, the program itself is, if you know what it is, you know what it is, but I'm not going to say it out. But, um, we, he used to send me these graphs off these programs that were unknown to Twitter and especially crypto Twitter was completely over their head. So he literally would just beat me with little bits and pieces and he wouldn't tell me what he was doing. He would never tell me if he was long or short. He would just feed me little tidbits of information that he was using for himself. And he kind of made me put it together myself and use context clues and things like that. And then me and him ended up just becoming absolute boys and me, him and a guy who actually retired off of Twitter, uh, Hal Allen, he, um, we used to all just trade information for the most part. And we started Pandia as kind of just a fuck around group. And it turned into me and Keck and, and this kid Howen just kind of literally talking in groups all night. And we would just bullshit, play video games together, things like that. And then it kind of grew into Keck taking over and being like, I want to turn this into an elite trading group. And we started adding people slowly from there. So it was almost like who brings value to the table and who does it. And Keck has unbelievably run it and managed it. I mean, Keck's been absolutely like perfect in every sense of the word in terms of running that, making sure the content in there continues to be high quality, keeping, like you said, people are willing to chop off an arm to get in there. And that's because of the quality of the content and the activity in there. So I got lucky that me and Keck were 
we're boys from a long time ago, but it's definitely uh, getting into a trading group or a group of friends. I mean, I had thought leaders, which is beta, uh, Joe cow cash blob, um, crypto gains, obviously. So there's a couple of people in there that also immensely improved everything that I was able to do and feed me information and help me get better. And it was almost like me and blob kind of started at the same exact time. And we both kind of grew at the same pace and same rate. And you could see that if you get into a group of people that truly want to help you and you're willing to put forward the effort, you can hundred percent improve and do it quickly. It's just a matter of, you don't need to pay for that. You need to just be a good person and you need to be willing to listen. You need to be willing to learn and your ego has to take a back seat in that situation. I have to understand that when I'm talking to Cuban and Keck and them, that they're not saying shit because they want to act smarter or be smarter. It's because they're truly just trying to tell you what they think and what they help. So you have to put your ego down and just listen and value what people tell you. And I think people are just so quick to jump the gun and say, no, you're wrong. I'm right. And it's like, okay, what did you accomplish? Like someone was offering you a tidbit of help and you just push them away entirely. And you, then you come crying back. Like, why can't I trade? Right. Why can't I do this? <laughs> You want to look at the, like, why you do it. Most times the reflection of yourself and I, I'm a piece of shit and I embrace it. And at the same time, I know my limitations and I know that there's plenty of people walking around that are way smarter and way better at this than me. And it's like, you stay in your lane. Like there's certain things I'm really good at and that I'm hyper-focused into that I can go toe for toe with anyone. With. But then there's plenty and plenty of things that I have zero clue about or have just base knowledge of. And there's people who are smarter than me. And if they came up to me and said this and this, I'm going to listen. So it's all about fact finding, doing your own thing. Um, people need to be more in, into researching. If you're going to be into trading, you have to be a research guy. You cannot be someone who just sits there and presses buttons like an ape and prays that like you hit the right thing. You have to be able to research. You have to be able to read and understand Like you have to, you have to grow. So, it's difficult. Like people think that you're just sitting on your computer all day with your dick in your hand. It's not that. You're constantly trying to improve. You're constantly tweaking your algorithms. You're constantly trying to make yourself better. So you may not see it. And a lot of it goes on in the shadows. I mean, it's not something that you have a boss that's going to sit there and say, like, congrats, like, congrats, Charles. Like, you did a good job today. Like, you don't got someone like that. Like, it comes down to you sit there and you say, you know what? I did a good job today. Let's go back to work tomorrow. It's business as usual. And the thing is, people have a good day and they say, you know what? I'm going to go take my money. I'm going to go fucking spend it at the club. I'm going to go drink. I'm going to do this or that. And it's like, okay. So now, like, you're considering your trading, you're associating your trading profits with like a euphoric method of, I'm going to go celebrate. So then when you lose, you lost that money that you made because you just spent it all and you just lost what you were starting with. And now you're sitting there in like a pit of depression and it's kind of like, okay, well now I'm at like as low as I can go. Like I don't have money and now what the fuck do I do? So you look at like things like that and you can't help those people. You got to just stop doing it. Like you can't, you can't sit there and tell people how to trade because it's just going to be the same cycle, the same cycle of, of fuck up, make it back, fuck up, make it back. And then eventually you just can't make it back. So that's where most people get themselves into trouble and it won't, it won't change for most yeah, you touched on a lot there. Uh, there are a couple things that I want to recap on really quick. The first is that I hate what Twitter has done for the novice trader uh, because you see people just posting charts with two lines on them and uh, occasionally it'll work out for those people. People are obviously posting their winners more often than their losers. 
Uh, and it gives people this notion that they can be a good trader just by pushing a couple buttons and drawing a couple lines. And uh, I don't think that's true in the slightest. Uh, and then the second thing I wanted to talk about was you talked about Keck being a sort of mentor. And um, we talked about these groups a lot and the benefits of them. Can you maybe, because this one, I think you guys were kind of just like, you know, more buddies. He wanted to help you out. It sounds like it almost, I don't want to say fell into your lap because that sounds a little bit, you know, shitty to say. Uh, but can you maybe speak on some tips on finding a mentor? Uh, maybe on Twitter, because I know a lot of people listening to this utilize Twitter. I think you need to find someone that kind of matches your um, personality or your style. So the thing with me and Keck was that, your degenerates relationship kind of at the first but then like me and keck found that we were very similar like in our personalities i mean our sense of humor like that kind of stuff all lines up together so me and him were kind of just it grew as a friendship and then turned into like well now we're sharing information thoughts and things like that and it kind of it built organically that's the thing is you can't force it but you can tell by the style that people tweet or that they talk in or they're personality and i hate to say personality because so, so much of twitter is fake but there's just a bunch of genuine traders out there and i hate to like single people out but if you do go through like pandia and you go through other people's who they promote you'll find a lot of legitimate traders especially through CAC and things like guys who trade other markets options and things like that you can learn from any of them because at the end of the day you want to learn to trade on your own so you don't necessarily need someone to hand you charts. You need someone to hand you kind of a backbone to stability, like mentally. It really comes down to you needing someone mentally to really keep you balanced. And when you're kind of getting in, because people always will, it's, even the best will blow themselves out. They'll have bad days. They'll have bad trades. It happens. And having a group there to kind of balance you out and say, like, you know what, like go get it back on the next one. Sometimes that's all you need. But you need people that you can relate to and trust in that situation. So for the most part, it's kind of individualized that whatever you think you gravitate towards or who you gravitate to, stick with them because your gut is the best feeling that you'll have for that. And I can't tell you how many times people have, have like approached me in the DMs and thought I would be a complete piece of shit and not help them. And I give people plenty of information to read, things like that, when they would ask me in the past. And I used to write some medium articles on just basic novice training. I can send you that, but just novice trading and how I started and how it really impacted me psychologically, because I would say trading was the biggest growth in my life from the age of 21 when I started trading to where I was when I quit, it was the biggest gain of everything. I mean, it kind of made you see how great you can feel about yourself and also how shitty and dumb you can feel. And it helps you because you grow from it. And every time you lose that numbness starts to come in and you kill it. So every losing trade started to become like, all right, like it's what it is, what it is. And slowly, like if you lose, you lose, but if you don't let it affect you and you don't take it, you don't take your work home with you, figuratively speaking, um, then you're, you're always going to be in a good spot. If you can differentiate what you're doing, and that's the thing is people trade in their houses and their rooms and you're just sitting there kind of with the access. It's almost like having the ability to, to work in a state drug lab as a crack addict. Like it's always going to be there. And you're always going to have that temptation of, damn, I really like could do this right now. Like no one will see me. Like, like I can go back in. Like there's no one there to tell you stop trading or stop doing this. Like when you're having a shitty day, you have to 
kind of wake yourself up and be like, come on, do it. So having like a mentor and having a group of people that you trust that can say to you like, yo, like maybe you want to put the mouse phone, whatever down for the day, go, go take a nap, go eat a meal, go to the gym, go do something that'll help you get your mind off it. That's the best thing you can find. It doesn't necessarily have to be someone who teaches you how to read candlesticks and things like that. I just was blessed that, that Keck related to me personally on such a great level and trading wise was so helpful that it couldn't have been any better. And now they built into Pandia and everything we have. So, yeah, you guys have, you know, I would want to say one of the better groups on Twitter, trading groups on Twitter, at least uh, you all kind of seem to get along with each other. Your tweet styles are all pretty similar, kind of degenerate, but smart dudes like to have a good time. Um, all giving each other shit, you know, and I think out with with King for he stayed with me at my house here for a couple days, and he's like one of he's an unbelievable character, one of the funniest dudes I've come across in person for sure. Yeah, Um, I was able to Lewis, who's not in PDF, but I hung out with Lewis multiple times. He's also a great dude. He's a little little there, but um, (laughs) great dude. And seeing the quant. I've, like I said, I told you before, I speak to Quant probably four or five times a week over over Snapchat, and I get to talk to him in PDF. And he's arguably one of my favorite people too. His his interests line up with mine a lot, but he's also so brilliant, and and like the knowledge he has is unbelievable. And people, that's what I'm saying. People can learn from someone like him indirectly. You don't have to go talk to him and and be up his ass and say like, what am I doing? Like, how do I do this? You can go and just watch how he trades. And he has a Twitter account where he shows all his trades and he has a Twitter account where he then talks about his analysis and things like that. And you can just grow and learn from that. And that's really where you got to differentiate the, the fat from the meat. And he's got a lot of meat on his Twitter that he puts out there. So you can go look at someone like him and he doesn't need to hold your hand. You don't have to go just say, quant, quant, like help me. Like, you can just go there and literally go read through his page and you'll find plenty of information that could probably be of value to you. So that's the kind of people that you can look, you got to look for essentially. You got to look for someone who's as egotistical as it is. They got to be smarter than you or in a sense, possess some type of information or value that you can't achieve without them. So that's where you really look for the value in, in someone that you want to help you or to look towards growing with. Yeah. You really got to put your ego aside uh, to become a better trader because one, you're going to lose trades and it's really going to hurt the ego. Uh, you know, most traders aren't winning a large portion of their trades. It's pretty even on wins losses. Um, and then you also need to kind of kill the ego and be able to reach out for help when you need it and take in help, uh, when it's offered. Um, taking in help is, is a, I mean, if, in any sense of the, of the like life, really. That's yeah. What it comes down. Yeah. Yeah. Not only in trading, but in life in general. Uh, so that's the thing. A lot of trading strategies can be reapplied to a lot of things you want to do in life, especially business related. If a lot of people who want to start businesses and things like that can look into what they had to go through with the growth of training and things and apply that the same way. You can't jump into being a pizza pizza owner if you don't know how to cook pizza, or you don't know how to cook chicken parm and things like that. Like if you just jump yourself into trading, with no knowledge at all, you're not going to be good. And the thing is, the trading is one of the few things in the world that you can hop into and have success. Like you can't just go perform open open heart surgery without any fucking med school or even like a lot of education. So it's not something that 
you need a ton of education to get into and actually experience success. But that doesn't guarantee the long-term success. And more than likely, that early success will just go to your head and make it even worse when you genuinely lose it all. It, it so, ruins people, honestly. Yeah. You know, they get that first win and they're like, I'm a genius. Let me let me continue to do this. And then they realize that that first trade was more luck than anything. And their bankroll so, slowly starts to uh, get chipped away at. Exactly. So, so we've covered a lot. We've talked about, you know, what you've been up to a little bit of your trading strategy. We talked about how to improve as a trader and finding a group and mentors. You mentioned that article that you wrote, you wrote it, right? The, the one on like novice yeah. trainers, traders, sorry. Um, we'll have a link to that in the description, but do you think you could just, because, you know, for anyone who sat through this whole thing, I feel like they deserve a, tip at the end you know a little bit of an alpha drop what's your biggest trip tip sorry for these uh new traders out there who are thinking about getting into trading i think the the biggest thing is to honestly look at the volume of things when you want to look at where really the markets are it's the volume so i mean i actually saw today people talking about how volume is relevant things like that and it's like <laughs> you say irrelevant I, I people are saying that it's irrelevant <laughs> I've seen people really move off of it and I don't know what they're moving into. Cause you know, there's a flavor of the week every, every week for Twitter, but obviously I mean, volume is the thing that really tells you who's there, who's, who's buying. And I, I think there's a differentiating between red and green volume and volume. There's difference between saying, okay, there's a green candle and it's almost like a doji and you're like, okay, there's a ton of volume. Like it could have gone either way. That's true. But then you have to look at that and say, why was there so much volume on both sides? Like that means that candle, whatever comes after this, that was probably the big players really battling with each other. The next candle will probably have a decent significance on where the next move is. You look at things like that. And I see a lot of people getting away from that, moving kind of towards different methods and, and losing Bollinger bands and EMAs and shit like that. Yeah, they're useful. But you got to look at the volume and when you come in most moves can be shown if they're legit you'll see it in the volume so when you look at these you can watch all the market players you can sit on bitmax and watch these people make the moves and you can watch the big players use their orders to kind of spoof and all the different methods they use but at the end of the day if people aren't genuinely buying and genuinely aren't selling it doesn't matter it's all just fake in a sense it's all just people playing with the the big boys playing with each other essentially and then you'll eventually get that breakout move, but you want the volume to confirm it. And a lot of people don't look for that. So you can find patterns of distribution and accumulation, especially on, on illiquid assets, really easily using the volume. So if you're looking for edges, the volume is like the first and most critical place to look in almost everything. If you don't have volume confirming the move, you can learn a lot about the actual movements themselves. And I can give you a guide for that that I had from a couple of years ago from uh, price action trading. But a lot of where I started with really improving my trading was looking at the candles and then corresponding volume and trying to figure out patterns of accumulation, distribution, and confirmation on breakout moves. So you look for those things and you can kind of match it. You can even match narratives up with it too. It doesn't necessarily mean that like there was an actual buyer you can really match price narratives up but if price goes up and there's no volume there 
more than likely it's going to come right back down. And if it comes back down with volume, you really know it's a strong move and it was a strong rejection. So you look for stuff like that. That's where your base trading should come from. Most people can improve greatly just looking at the volume and looking at the actual candlesticks and saying, you know what, like something doesn't look right here. Why is the price going up dramatically while volume is coming, crashing down? So you look at that and it's like, you know what, someone maybe on the sell side is actually pushing it up and then they're going to crush it when it gets to the point they want it to. So they're pushing those orders up. They're liquidating enough people to fill their orders and then they absolutely crush it when they're all filled up. So that kind of stuff, that's what those stop runs that people are freaking out about. And they say that Arthur's hunting for them and whatnot. That's not Arthur. That's just people messing with you. And that's because your orders aren't in the right place. And you can almost look through those combination of the supply zones and matching the volume up with the candlesticks. You don't need any advanced programs. You can do it strictly with that. It's a matter of then matching your mental makeup to it and pretty much keeping yourself psychologically okay while you're waiting for your trade to play out that, which is just as hard as actually figuring out the trade, if not harder. Right. Just sitting there in a trade. Uh, probably the toughest thing to do, especially when you're just sitting at home all day staring at charts. Uh, but that was fantastic. I really appreciate that tip for the newer guys and some of the people who have been here for a while. I feel like I see a lot of chart patterns uh, and a lot of people, you know, drawing lines on charts and not enough time is spent on analyzing the volume. So I appreciate you, you know, kind of bringing that up and ending with that tip. Uh, we do. I did put up like that tweet that I was talking about with uh, some questions that people wanted to ask you. They're more just fuck around questions from the friends uh, online. So we'll get into that. But first, before we do, do you have anything else you want the audience to know? Uh, nah, just nah, nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool, cool. Then let's get into these questions. They're they're mostly from the boys. Uh, Nate Bag wants to know why your thumb be that way. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, mo most of these don't even have answers. You know, it's just the the boys having fun. Uh, we got. I guess on the on the thumb. <laughs> we we got Cuban asking about the black bags. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a, there's a little redacted in there, but uh, yeah, we went up to consensus, and I was in charge of supplying of course and we were doing a couple uh extracurricular activities and we were getting some bags if you can imagine what was probably in those bags and we definitely oh, got some, some laced bags with uh i would say speed <laughs> so Oof. for two days consensus i think we were just doing speed for a good stretch there <laughs> me being quant and cuban uh, we scared Lewis off the property. Like, I heard. Tip. I heard about that. I heard Lewis was meditating at one point and then bailed completely. Lewis, yeah, Lewis had a big wake up call when uh, it started with me, him, and King went to the place, and then Quant was there, and then Cuban showed up like a couple hours later. And by the time Cuban got there, we definitely were pushing. We were all pushing like his limits. Like we were just getting warmed up, and it was already he was he was fired up. So. <laughs> That was that was a trip for the boys, nonetheless. But those black bags were definitely some death. I'll I'll tell you that. Yeah, we got King underneath saying we do not speak those words again. So, hate that he's gonna have to relive this moment. King definitely had it the worst. King King was walking around New York City, and I think I'm surprised he actually made it back home. I thought we were just gonna leave him in New York for a week. I mean, 
that kid crushed the city absolutely like more than anyone I've he showed up to my house off a bender and like took like a day's worth of sleep snaps and then was back yeah and, and he was back I'm talking this kid was up for like four days straight in New York like I think I competed stayed up for like two days straight and this kid was just absolutely running on fumes for days yeah wasn't he I uh, spent a day with him when I was out in Arizona and unfortunately it was just like a one night thing. I wanted to stay a little bit longer, but I needed to get back because of this whole quarantine bullshit. Uh, But man was just slugging beers the entire time. You know, I got there at like 2 p.m. and he probably put down like 15 IPAs in the time that we were. You know, just hanging out, watching videos, fucking playing chess and playing with his dog. That's the other thing is too. He loves playing. We played on connect four the entire time we were there <laughs> we had connect four tournaments going and everything and that's what we were we were playing but he's that's the thing is with him you don't even have to do anything crazy like he really will just bullshit with the boys on something like he's such a, a guy's guy yeah was we we played i want to say we played you know a couple games of chess and we played n64 for like you know four hours straight just shooting the shit you know having a good time having a couple beers, but I was like, I, you know, my mind was elsewhere. My, my trip was ending. So I didn't really get to like party it up with him. We didn't get to go out obviously because everything was closed and shit, but uh, I'm looking forward to going back There's out there. Huh? If you, uh, if DM King asking for a refund with your liquidation email, one out of every four, he'll actually do it. Okay. So for anyone who's listening to this, go ahead and DM King. Uh, you can find his uh, Twitter account. I'm not going to give it out just so he doesn't murder me. Uh, let's see. We got Zor wants to know how to roll a wood like a god. I actually was debating coming in with that alpha that that might be what I the table. <laughs> if we're talking about like experts and things, like I would probably put myself in the top 0.2 to 3% of people for that. For rolling woods? And, I mean, I can't see too many people who have probably rolled more than me. Um <laughs> I'm still like I cut down a lot. I'm still smoking about four or five a day, and that's cutting down a lot. I was for a while there, probably about like fifteen to twenty a day. Jesus but the Christ! I out, and I couldn't, I couldn't handle it anymore. So I'm down about four or five a day. That's better. Right it's an improvement. It's you definitely know? an improvement. It's, it's, it used to be like just wake up and continuously do it until I couldn't do it anymore. Like just until my eyes closed. Now it's like, all right, like I smoke, take like a three, four hour break, go to the gym, smoke again. Then I'll pick up at like one at night, one or two at night. There but it's definitely less of, a, less of a thing like it was when I first came to Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you should have left trading and gone and been uh, Snoop Dogg and Wiz Khalifa were both looking for per- personal blunt rollers. Uh, you I definitely could have done it. Yeah, right? Um, okay. Guys- Sorry. Sorry to cut you off there. We got I got to hop off in five, and we got a couple more questions. I do want to get through all of them, uh, and then I got to hop off. I actually got another call at 11. Uh, but Keck wants to know about Red XBT. He just says, ask him about Red. I promise I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell the story about Red. But, okay. um, Red is Red's, Red's a good dude. He just uh, he likes to get himself in some trouble doing real dumb things. <laughs> All right, there we go. Trader Cause wants you to open his Snapchat. Um, let's see. Tunes wants to know what you charge for a personal training class. He needs well, it. Well, I, I work for a company, so I make for every twenty-five minutes, I make like nine dollars. 
Okay. Oh, it's, like, it's like 18 an hour if you want to do an hour. Yeah, there we go. All right, Tunes, you need that. Hit him up. Uh, you can get some. Get on a Zoom call. He can give you some tips. Uh, let's see. King wants to know if you or him could drink more beers and if you're still on vacation. <laughs> kind of talked about that already, but um, a king definitely on the beers. I haven't drank actually right? in, a, in a couple of months. I've, the man puts down beers well, like it's nobody's business. Beers definitely him. Um, I also would give him tequila for sure. There's no way I'm keeping up with him in the tequila game. That man does whiskey and tequila like absolutely no one I've seen before. It's definitely the the south in him because yeah, no one here can drink like that and not fucking roll over die. Yeah, day. exactly. Um, all right, Quant wants to know about a uh, Jays. Is it Jays? I always see it. Is it Jays? Jays? Jays. Yeah, it's so it's DJs and the Jays that he puts up is that's that's uh it's the back end of the name. But what's it called? Yeah, Jays season looks like it might be canceled this year. I'm I'm honestly a bit depressed about that, but we're gonna see. Hopefully, we get a couple uh, rounds in the summer. But this pandemic, I think, might have taken my summer. Brutal. Fun. He wants to know how to get a VIP card though for when it's back up and running. You gotta know me. <laughs> That's all you if need. You, like I'll, I can get you one. That's how it is. All right. So as the uh, viewers can see, your hair's looking fantastic, and so um, Belage, I think. Nope, not Belage. Zoot wants to know what kind of conditioner you use. I use uh, Head and Shoulders and. I actually have my girlfriend left a thing here, her conditioner. I could get you the name of it, but I've been using it. It's pretty nice. It oh, pretty you, got good a, too. you got a girlfriend now. Congrats on that. You know, everyone's trying to secure a girlfriend in these trying times. Uh, it's funny because the last question from Balaj or Rufian, his, his Twitter, uh, is what's, what's your strike rate with drunk girls? Um, I didn't really understand the question because there's more to it. It's something about a scale seven to ten or some bullshit. I don't know. Um, he he wants to know strike rate. The only thing I know about you and the chicks is that Lewis was hanging out with you and he was taking pictures of the chick that you were you were hooking up with. Lewis is like he's shot. Um, in terms of the summer, it's definitely I, in the summer. It's it's shooting fish in a barrel. Um, I mean, I'm six foot three and the hair so that alone pretty much makes it pretty easy but uh lately I, I mean i've been dating a girl i haven't haven't been fucking around uh she's a substance abuse counselor so she deals with me pretty well that same chick from a while ago i'm assuming huh because yeah. i remember you talking about a substance abuse counselor I, the thing is that it's really like laid back she kind of understands like how and who i am and she doesn't i don't want to see her that often i see her like two or three times a week and um, she's mad cool. She doesn't, she's never like up my ass. I don't text her for four or five hours. Like right now I'm probably on like four or five hours, not texting her and she hasn't said a word. So it's almost like she kind of knows, um, well, she knows what I'm going to do and who I'm going to be. And not much changes, I guess. Simple as that. <laughs> All right, perfect. I think that was all the questions. I'm bummed there weren't any serious ones because you're a smart dude. You've got a lot of, you know, knowledge that you could drop on these people. I feel like we if did. Has any actual questions that they're they're afraid to ask or didn't want to put in a personal. You can always DM me on Twitter. I mean, oh I'm yeah, we just... we got to get your numbers back up. So everyone, go follow uh, Flacco. I'll have his Twitter 
a link to his Twitter in the description below, uh, if that's cool with you. No, definitely. I mean, I'm always willing to help people, and I know I haven't traded in a while, but I mean, if anyone has any questions and things like that, I'm always willing to help. Uh, it just takes me a couple hours to get back sometimes. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, again, we'll have that link. Thank you so much for sitting down. Really appreciate it, man. Again, sorry to cut us off, but I do have to jump on another call right now. No worries. Thank you for having Yeah, peace out, man. Me, man. Really, really appreciate it. Sorry, I kind of cut out peace there. Out. But have a good one.